Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Equinox Gold fourth quarter 2021 results and corporate update conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. If you are participating through the webcast, you can submit a question in writing by using the text box in the lower left corner of the webcast frame. I would now like to turn the conference over to Relyn Bailey, Vice President, Investor Relations for Equinox Gold. Please go ahead. Thank you, Carl, and thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. We will, of course, be making a number of forward-looking statements today, so please do take the time to visit our continuous disclosure documents on our website, on CEDAR, and on EDGAR. I'm now going to turn the conference call over to our CEO, Christian Milo. Thank you very much, and uh, welcome everyone this morning. Um, you know, just kept recapping on uh, the business plan here on page number three. You know, we've put together a collection of companies and assets over the last four years, and we're excited to be at this point in our our growth cycle here, where we've got the diversified America's gold producer with the seven producing mines, soon to be eight once Santa Luz is uh, wrapping up in quarter two this year, and five exciting growth projects, and we have an extremely large reserve and resource base, you know, 16 and 30 million ounces, which allows us to have a lot of leverage to the gold price. And as we continue to develop these assets, you know, we'll be moving from roughly 700,000 ounces this year in 2020 towards a million ounces plus over the next few years. And our balance sheet's in a strong place again, and, and that pathway to towards a million ounces is clear and in our control in our portfolio. And when we look at the quarter four and full year highlights, um, you know, Pete and Doug will walk you through more of the granularity on this, but I did want to touch at high level. Um, as expected, we had a strong Q4 as previously released, and, you know, we tracked down the path of continuing on our two construction projects, and Doug will talk about the detail on that, but pleased to say we're making good progress, and as planned, we're moving those forward, um, you know, on schedule at this stage. And, also, um, we've had good results over the last year, and we continue to focus on it going forward and drilling and, and expanding our portfolio of uh, exciting mineral and reserve base uh, assets that um, that really have need some attention to continue to extend the mine life. And you know, we've also put out two expansion studies on Arizona and Castle Mountain, which continue to show mine life extension and a reserve growth. And the other area that we're really going to focus on this year, and, and we've kind of put it to a little bit to the back burner as we announced on the last call, but Los Filos, we're working on various scenarios to optimize it, to look to bring forward cash flows, to increase production, and really work on that plan as we deliver on the Greenstone construction project and have this be a key contributor. So we want to reduce those costs and continue to expand that production base and make plans to be able to build that CIL once we get to stability and we get Greenstone up and running. In terms of operations, again, pleased to report that, you know, we've had a, another quarter of uninterrupted uh, operations at Los Filos, and it finished last year well. 
Um, you know, as you saw in the press release, RDM did have heavy rains recently, and Doug will touch on the detail of that, but we're working towards suspending the plant there for a few weeks as we reduce the water level in the TSF, but we don't expect an overall material change to our guidance uh, as a result of this. We see this as a very temporary measure. And in terms of ESG, I do want to touch on this. Um, it continues to be a focus for us and, and increasing in terms of priorities this year as, as we build out our team. Um, we got our first ESG report out last year. This year we'll be enhancing it. We do plan to have an ESG call that's focused on that topic for all investors to attend, um, give or take around our, our time of our AGM here in the second quarter. Uh, we've been implementing the Towards Sustainable Mining and Responsible Gold Mining Principle Protocols at all mine sites this year. We set our scope one and two emissions targets last year and, and emissions in total, and we also achieved our target of reducing them by 5%, which is a short-term goal. We do need to set our long-term targets, and that's uh, in the works this year. And you know, hopefully by around this year end, we'll be able to announce uh, our long-term targets. And also, just in summary, you know, we had a good, strong finish to the year overall, and, and I want to turn it over to Pete and, and Doug to walk you through the granularity of that. Thanks, Christian. Uh, with respect to our operating results, I'll just touch on a few of them as Doug will we'll go through each of the mines in just a minute. Uh, for responsible mining in 2021, we improved on our already good safety and environmental performance as demonstrated by our safety and, and environmental metrics that you see here. We especially ended 2021 on a, uh, on a good note uh, for safety and environment uh, and our environmental stewardship. As to COVID, uh, it was managed well in 2021. That was led primarily by the vaccine rollouts in the countries where we operate, but uh, that was also coupled with our continued rigorous screening and testing protocols. Uh, and that led to little or no downtime at our sites in 21 due to COVID, uh, which obviously we're very pleased with. As to operations, uh, we previously announced that we produced 602,000 ounces of gold uh, we achieved uh, our guidance there along with uh, our all-in-sustaining cost of guidance uh, with, with an all-in-sustaining cost per ounce of $1,350 an ounce. We were a little high on our cash cost per ounce guidance, uh, just above the, the uh, higher end of our range. On our next page, we have our, our Q4 financial results. We had our best quarter to date, really, from a, um, a financial perspective. We sold 212,000 ounces of gold at an average realized price of $1,972 an ounce. Our cash cost for Q4 was $1,040 an ounce and our all-sustaining cost uh, was a very respectable $1,266 an ounce. We had net income for the quarter of $111 million and adjusted net income of $76 million, which translates into basic earnings per share of 37 cents a share or 25 cents a share on an, on an adjusted basis. We were also very busy on the corporate front during the year, uh, which included uh, which uh, the results of which are included in our net income of $557 million for the year. We sold 10 million units of Solaris, where each unit was a share and a half warrant to buy more shares for proceeds of $67 million and a gain of $50 million. Selling the shares reduced Equinox's holding in Solaris to just below 20%, which resulted in a change of accounting and a gain of $186 million during the year. And uh, another uh, benefit of that change in accounting is it allows us to reflect the fair value of that investment. It was previously carried at, at the original cost, which was very, very low. So we're pleased with that. 
During 2021, we sold the Pilar mine for a gain of $45 million, and those items get adjusted out along with others to arrive at our, uh, net, our adjusted income for the year of $74 million. Uh, some of those other items include an $85 million gain on the change in fair value of Equinox-issued warrants, which expired unexercised in October 2021, and a $58 million gain on the change in fair value of gold co contracts, which roll off uh, in September of this year. Our balance sheet remains uh, unchanged and strong, uh, with uh, a little over $300 million in cash and $200 million in available credit at the end of the year. Um, and in addition, we have 400, uh, you know, approximately $450 million of investments, uh, fair value. And uh, we've received a couple questions uh, about why our, our current assets have increased so much. Uh, that's primarily due to three things. First of all, uh, we announced the sale of Mercedes uh, in December uh, of 2021. Those assets are, are held for sale and, and are all current, including the property, plants, and equipment. Uh, and in addition, the, the Solaris warrants we hold to be able to acquire more shares of Solaris at a low cost, uh, many of which uh, expire in Q4 of 2022, are now included as current. They were previously included as long-term. And, and finally, the third big reason our current assets have increased is uh, the, fair, the fair value of the Solaris uh, shares have gone up significantly. They're about $11 a share Canadian at the end of September, and they've gone up to $16 a share. So that increases both the uh, the fair value, uh, of course, of our investment there, along with the uh, value of the of the warrants. With with respect to our quarterly with quarterly results by mine, um, previously mentioned, we we had a strong quarter with uh, 210,000 ounces of production, uh, led by Los Feliz, Castle Mountain, and Arizona. Uh, cash costs for the year in Q4. We're especially low at Arizona, as you can see in the middle column under cash costs, uh, and for the year. Uh, and finally, our all in sustaining costs uh, for the quarter were, were led by Mesquite at $1,000.23 all in sustaining for the quarter. Um, as to our guidance for the year, uh, Christian Ross and, and Roland have been out uh, engaging with stakeholders uh, quite a bit. Uh, since we released it earlier this year. So I'll just highlight that along as with this year, much of the performance is weighted into the second half of the year. So costs will be higher. As you can see at the bottom page, at the bottom of the page, in the first half of the year, we expect uh, cash costs of about $1,200 a year, a little over for the first half of the year, dropping to just you know a little over $1,000 an ounce towards uh, in the second half of the year. And likewise, the all-in-sustaining cost will be higher in the first half uh, in the mid-1500s per ounce uh, and dropping to uh, the higher 1200s or just a little under 1300 an ounce in the second half of the year. And with that, I'll, I'll turn the, the discussion of the operations uh, themselves over to Doug. Thanks, Pete. So uh, as Pete noted, um, in 2021, uh, several of our open pit mines were back and waited for their gold production. We do see that at, at a few of the operations in 2022 as well. Uh, looking first at the USA at Mesquite, in Q4 we produced 66,870 ounces, and for the year, 137,500 ounces, so a majority of the ounces coming at the very end of the year. Um, overall production will be similar in 2022 for Mesquite, and um, 
I'll note that in 2021, we completed the uh, uh, stripping campaign for the brownie pit, and that's the ore that is almost entirely being processed or placed on the leach pad in 2022. And similarly for 2022, we're doing a $44 million stripping campaign to open up a new phase of the Vista East pit, the VE pit, and that will benefit us at the very end of 2022 and into 2023. Uh, we're also uh, carrying on with a uh, $5 million exploration program at Mesquite, which looks at reserve, resource to reserve conversion in Brownie, Vista East, and Rainbow Pits. And I do want to underscore that this mine is a consistent producer. It will be doing its 5 millionth ounce in 2022, so a good, a good asset, a very consistent. Uh, at Castle Mountain, our Q4 production was 8,357 ounces. We're looking at uh, 25, it was 25,000 ounces for the year, and it will be higher in 2022, and that will ref reflect uh, modifications to our stacking and irrigation practices that have been implemented during 2021, and also we'll be introducing crushing and agglomeration in Q1. That should increase our uh, recoveries, uh, avoid some of our percolation issues that we've seen with certain rock types where blending has uh, been very important and uh, be able to point the way forward for improving our uh, leach times and recoveries. Uh, we are doing a, uh, a leach pad expansion, which is well underway already. It's a $7 million uh, price tag for that, but that's, that's well underway. And we are doing the phase two studies and permitting that will support the expansion to 200,000 ounces a year. The plan to submit the permit amendment is, is that will go in in Q1. So moving on to Mexico. At Los Filos in Q4, we produced 54,733 ounces. And the total for 2021 was 144,000 ounces. Uh, it will be higher in 2022 at uh, 160 to 180,000 ounces, and that will reflect um, a continuous uh, mode of operations. Um, we have ongoing development that was done in 2021 in the Los Filos open pit and Guadalupe open pit, which is our major contributor for the uh, open pit ore going to the leach pads now, and also development uh, from the Bermahal underground deposits where we have a uh, small amount of contribution as we continue with, with the development of Burma Hall, uh, focused on getting into Zone 5, the central and higher grade portion of Burma Hall. Our um, work in 2022 includes 20 million of sustaining and 47 million of non-sustaining capital, principally for open pit stripping and underground development with 30 million of that being carried over from 2021 where we were either delayed or interrupted in development work um, in the middle of the year. At the Mercedes mine, uh, total contribution attributable to Equinox for 2021 is 31,800 ounces. And as noted, we have an agreement in place to sell the mine to Bear Creek for $100 million with a 2% NSR and just under 25 million shares in Bear Creek. That transaction is expected to close around the end of this quarter. Uh, in the meantime, we continue with development uh, into two additional deposits at Mercedes, and uh, uh, we will uh, both take the cost, but also the benefit of that up until the point where we, uh, uh, until the transaction closes. 
Moving on to Brazil, uh, Arizona mine uh, Q4 production was 41,258 ounces, and the total production for the year was 135,000 ounces. We will see slightly lower production in in 2022, and that reflects a, a, a small drop in the uh, feed grade, the grade of the feed to the uh, to the plant. Uh, we did set a new throughput record in Q4 with uh, 922,000 ounces being processed. Sorry, 922,000 tons being processed, and, a, and a, we also set a record for um, mining in the quarter. In 2022, uh, we are moving ahead with permitting on portal locations for the underground expansion. Uh, we've also um, had the results from drilling, the, um, 21,000 meters of drilling come in. Uh, Part of that focused on the underground and also on other targets in the immediate area around uh, the Piaba pit. Uh, that will benefit us as we move ahead with design work for the underground. We're also doing $8 million of spend on infrastructure, including a new pebble crusher, which helps us to uh, maintain our uh, feed to the plant uh, as we move into a higher proportion of uh, fresh rock. Um, and we continue drilling within the mine area and nearby targets. We have $8 million slated for exploration on that. At Fazenda in Q4, we produced 14,499 ounces uh, for a total of 60,000 ounces in 2021. Uh, we should see that slightly higher in 2022, um, largely from some higher grades coming from both um, some underground areas and open pit production. This mine's been operating for essentially over 30 years, and recoveries are now around 89%. Uh, a big part of our work has been the um, underground and additional exploration on surface uh, that's worked on reserve replacement, and we continue with that. Um, on the plant, it set a new production uh, throughput record of 351,000 tons processed. And uh, in 2022, we will be doing an exploration program that no, not only works or, or explores immediately around Fazenda, but within the Fazenda to Santa Luz district. Uh, very exciting, uh, numerous targets in that um, greenstone belt, and we will ultimately look at uh, developing uh, or identifying and developing resources that could either go to Fazenda or Santa Luz, depending on the metallurgy and proximity to process plants. At RDM, our Q4 production was 13,362 ounces, and our total production for the year was 59,000 ounces. Uh, we anticipate that that will be higher in 2022 at 70 to 80,000 ounces, in large part coming from a new geotechnical model that enables us to access higher grades and increase our overall production uh, coming from the open pit. We did process more stockpile material uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, given that we had heavy rainfall, limiting some access to our open pits. And um, uh, in, in this year, we will be uh, doing an increase on the TSF capacity and also installing a thickener. A uh, thickener gives us the ability to do some water conservation, and it also reduces the uh, volume of tailings going to the TSF. Um, water conservation because RDM is in a drought-stricken area, and typically uh, we are we are always working to maintain as much water as we can available for processing throughout the year. We do have ample water. We have a very full uh, water storage dam, and separate to that, of course, uh, as you've noted, 
uh, we have lots of water in our TSF at the moment. So in response to new guidelines, uh, we will be suspending the plant for the next two to three weeks while we continue uh, pumping and evaporating to reduce water levels in the TSF. Uh, during that time, we continue with mining and stockpiling of ore, and we anticipate that there'll be a marginal impact to us overall as we restart and process the ores that we've been putting to one side during this period. Um, I will note that there are no issues with the TSF and um, all regular internal and external and independent inspections of the TSF have confirmed this. So moving on to Santa Luz. Commissioning is underway. Uh, construction is on time and on budget. The total budget was $103 uh, million uh, for the construction capex. Uh, we are at 95% complete overall. Uh, crushing The crushing area is close to completion. Uh, commissioning is underway on the uh, leach circuit, sag mill, ball mill, and secondary grinding areas. Uh, first ore will be introduced this month, and first gold is targeted for late in March. We'll move on to Greenstone, where construction is underway. Uh, this uh, uh, project is being developed by Equinox is 60%, Orion as 40%. Uh, total uh, reserves at the project are 5.5 million ounces, and it does have significant additional exploration upside. This is a conventional open pit um, with a leach CIP plant. Uh, the project has excellent infrastructure. It's on the Trans-Canada Highway and right next to the town of Geraldton. Uh, we have great community and First Nations support for this project. Uh, and our initial capital is 1.23 billion US. That includes 177 million in contingency, about 14% of the initial capital, and um, also includes uh, 125 million for a fleet in which uh, we could lease to reduce the upfront cash spend. It does exclude pre-production revenue and um, 80% of our initial capital is Canadian dollar-based. Uh, I will note that 20, 20, around 29% of the capex is now fixed by virtue of uh, contracts that are in place, and about 45% of the capex is committed so far. Uh, we have an overall construction period of two years and six months of commissioning. First goal port is targeted for H1 of 2024. And if you go over to page 14. Uh, you can look at some of the construction progress. Um, and I invite you to go to our website and you can see excellent uh, photos for both Greenstone and Santa Luz and time-lapse photography for Santa Luz so you can see how things are progressing at those sites. Uh, the engineering for uh, Greenstone is 85% complete and one of the reasons why we're able to be advancing with this project so well is, I mean, it's kudos to the team. Uh, their project readiness has been very good going from uh, being on standby to bringing everything uh, up, to, up to speed during 2021 very quickly. Uh, but the very experienced team, they know this project well, they've been with the project for many years and been able to have everything ready to roll. So phase one, road building and tree clearing is complete. Site access road and power lines are almost complete. The TSF work is ahead of schedule and highway, highway relocation work is actually ahead of schedule as well. Um, site civil works and concrete foundation work is underway. 
and plant earth, earthworks are about 70% complete. So that's a big de-risking thing and being able to get ahead on our, our earthworks. Uh, temporary water treatment plant is already in operation and we have a 600-person lodging facility that's in use. All principal and critical equipment have already been ordered, so uh, very good progress at Greenstone. Kudos to the team. I'm going to pass it back to Christian. Yeah, and I'll just conclude on a couple of slides here on on 15. Um, just to reiterate, you know, we're in that execution phase right now, and we've got about 600,000 ounces of incremental growth to our existing roughly 700,000 ounce. Uh, uh, production base, and as you can see, they're sequenced nicely with Santa Luz coming on stream in the next few weeks, Greenstone in the next two years, Los Filos, Castle Mountain, and Orzone Underground will slot in in due course, um, you know, in and around the end of the timing of Greenstone. So we've got one of the best growth profiles, if not the best, in certainly the mid-tier to larger gold space right now. It's all internal, and, you know, from a valuation perspective, we're still trading on a slightly discounted multiple of some of our peers, as you can see, uh, versus the intermediate and senior peers. And, you know, we'll continue over the next two years as we execute and deliver these projects on time, on budget, uh, to claw away at uh, moving up that valuation curve. And at the moment, it's a quite a compelling valuation for, you know, a million-ounce producer over the next couple of years. And we've got extremely good leverage to gold. And obviously, in this gold environment, we're pleased to um, to have that reserve and resource base internally already owned in our portfolio. And on 16, just to reiterate what Pete touched on earlier, it's not a lot to say on the balance sheet. It continues to be the same. Strong cash balance, uh, available debt from a global banking group, almost half a billion dollars in investments, good cash flow coming from the operating mines. You know, we've got almost a billion dollars of liquidity investments right now, and uh, we've got a funded internal growth profile. So. We think we're positioned extremely well. Uh, the first half of this year, slightly lower cash producing from our mines, but as we hit the second half of this year, um, you know, and with Santa Luz ramping up and some of that CapEx coming off, we're pretty excited about where we are and where we're positioned right now. And obviously the gold environment's been very supportive recently as well. So on 17, just a highlight of the overall portfolio now, it's diversified, growth-focused in all of our jurisdictions. We are an America's-focused gold producer, and, you know, keen and Pleased here to uh, take some questions uh, on the back of a good year-end, uh, end of the year last year in 2021. Thank you, Christian. Operator, can you please remind people how to ask a question? Certainly. Once again, to join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. If you're participating through the webcast, you can submit a question in writing by using the text box in the lower left corner of the webcast frame. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you. While we're waiting, I'll take a question from one of our very supportive shareholders in the state who frequently talks about us on his Ron's Basement YouTube channel. Um, it's a great quarter. Can you provide any color on how operations are performing during the first two months of 2022? And do you think that your previously released guidance is on track, conservative, or aggressive? Maybe I'll take that. And Doug, please jump in if you have any comments. I mean, as we said, you know, the first half of this year is slightly lower production and higher cost. You know, we're tracking along those lines. Um, you know, it's sort of a, an annual trend, it seems, for us. The second half of the year tends to be a bit better, and I, I don't see any difference this year. Um, and I think we provide a little more granularity and clearer guidance this year by bifurcating the two halves. And, you know, we are tracking uh, on plan there in the first couple of months as, as we move forward um, and reiterate, reiterate our guidance with this release today. Thank you. Another question from online. I saw that IM Gold uh, recently increased costs again at their Cote project. How do we know that Greenstone is going to be on budget? So uh, I'm not, I think the best way to look at Greenstone is that uh, the team's been working on on moving the project forward for for many years, and as we got to the end of uh, 2019, the the uh, Greenstone team um, were doing an update of of all aspects of the the project and the the capex, and that's when we stepped in, and it's been a continuous uh, effort working with Greenstone to revisit and track um, all the costs. Uh, project readiness is a key item. Um, we've done uh, um, internal and external assessments of project readiness, and uh, I would say that Greenstone is, is right in the, the correct position for project readiness when we did our construction announcement and engineering advancement, uh, being that uh, we're 85% now. I mean, we're about 80% at the time of, of the announcement. All those things uh, mean that we were actually, all the CapEx was being uh, done on the basis of, of well-advanced uh, work on the site and um, being able to immediately start with uh, early works on tree clearing, camp construction, water treatment plant, um, and site infrastructure means that we can move very quickly to be able to uh, de-risk, especially on the earthwork side of things uh, around the plant um, and also on the TMF. So. Uh, I think it's in part uh, the opportunity that we had to work with the team to do multiple revisions and make sure that everything was uh, uh, correct as we move towards the construction decision and um, also ensuring that readiness and um, engineering were at the sufficient level for this project. And I think we've taken the opportunity to observe the market and obviously supply chain and inflation issues, and we built that into our CapEx estimates. 14% contingency is a, a pretty healthy number relative to, I've seen a lot of projects when they start. And, um, you know, I think we've looked at the foreign exchange and we've looked at inflation and, and other things, and we've also got the firm quotes and that we've been able to build into our, or into our estimates. Yeah, and I think uh, also uh, we benefit by being able to see what's happened on other projects to go back and make sure, are we sure about what we're doing? And every single time we see anything happen on any other project, that question circulates around. We double-check and make sure that um, we've not uh, missed something. And um, uh, the, the team at, uh, at Greenstone is very responsive in regards to double-checking on everything and being proactive when, when we see potential problems. 
Perfect, thank you. Operator will now take a few questions from the phone lines, please. Certainly. The next question comes from Ryan Thompson of BMO. Please go ahead. Hey guys, uh, thanks for the update. Just a couple of questions for me. Um, first one is on the corporate side of things. Uh, obviously, you know, you're going to be relying on cash from operations as you go through this capital intensive period building a greenstone. Um, is there any thought or discussion of potentially hedging out uh, some of your, your gold over the next uh, little while? And then uh, the second question is more just on the operation. Uh, you mentioned at Mesquite, uh, you know, you've got a lot of uh, stripping and, and so on going going on, and you're also doing some exploration to convert uh, resources potentially into reserves. Uh, would there be any sort of permitting associated with uh, trying to bring in any of these uh, new pits? Any sort of color you could provide on that would be helpful as well. Thanks. Sure, uh, it's Peter here. I'll answer your first question on hedging gold. Uh, we do not currently uh, plan to hedge any gold uh, it, to provide going forward, uh, even though we're in a construction period. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we, we feel like we're well-funded uh, heading forward with our balance sheet uh, liquidity, so no plans to hedge gold. Yeah, and Ryan, we do look at other things like the other currencies, or we may look at fuel and that, but uh, gold being our primary product and what most people are buying us for, we do keep that as um, open to the spot market as possible, and uh, we do believe that we've got a strong balance sheet and other levers, as Pete said, so that's not in focus right now. In regards to mesquite, there's always permitting underway. Um, it depends on, on what you're looking at, whether it's a leach pad expansion or, or if you're looking at uh, doing a drill program. There's always, always some aspect of, of permitting that's underway. Um, I'm not sure if that answers answers your question, but it is it is part of the uh, normal operating practice at Mesquite. Okay, so I, I I know you have a pretty big resource base there, and and you mentioned you know trying to convert some of that into reserves. Would it be like a, a sort of longer per permitting process to accomplish that, or sort of normal normal course sort of business? Um, yes, I mean essentially, if we were looking at, at um, large or wholesale changes uh, obviously it would be a longer a longer thing but when you're when you're looking for um, small things and let's let's say uh, expiration programs or um, uh, a not so small uh, leach pad um, expansion I mean they're I'll say a, a shorter or more modest uh, permitting period but if you're looking for a wholesale change um, yeah obviously it's going to be a longer term uh, time frame and um, but that's all being managed very well at the site. I think, Ryan, our, a lot of the reserve and resource is sitting within and around our pits, and, you know, that's more of the routine regular permitting, and I think we, we probably actually update permitting a few times a year, in a sense, on various different matters, and I think across the highway and that stuff is definitely the longer-term permitting, which is a, you know, multi-year plan. Um, so I think a lot of stuff around the periphery and in the current resource sitting around is kind of more... Uh, I'm never going to call permitting routine, but closer to routine, it's across the highway and that that's probably the multi-year plan. Okay. Uh, thanks. That's, uh, that's helpful, and that's all I had today. Thanks, guys. The next question comes from Kerry Smith of Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks, operator. Christian, the, if you submit the EIA amendment for Castle Mountain Phase 2 sometime in March, then are you still – 
feeling like it's going to be a three-year permitting cycle to get that that approved then? Yeah, I think we, we still indicate three years. I mean, if, if all goes well, it could be as short as two years, but I, I think it's better to aim towards three years. And because of the sequencing of our projects and with Greenstone being, you know, give or take two years away from being completed, um, you know, three years is probably a good amount of time. And, um, you know, we've had good feedback, good dialogue. I think the team have been able to adapt that permitting. You know, the water issue they've been working with on the side, and they've found water sources that they need. So the permitting will be the key focus over the next two years. And um, we think minimum two years, but it could be three years. Okay. And, and maybe Doug can answer, but with RDM, you know, it's always kind of a dry area, and you're always looking for water, and unfortunately you're discharging now because you've got too much. Is there any thought that maybe you should build a supplemental sort of water containment area just in case this ever happens again? I think we already have a, uh, I think it's 3.4 million cubic meters uh, water storage dam on site. So we already, at the end of the year, we were looking at our water balance and figuring that we're good for two years without any additional rain. So um, now, you know, this is this is exceptional. As uh, you'll have noted in Brazil, they've had um, heavy rains in several areas that typically don't get uh, as much rain as they've been having. So um, it's, it's, uh, we were already pumping and evaporating water out of the TSF. Uh, we've already been working on plans to be able to conserve water. I mean, that's why we're putting in the part of the reason we're putting in the thickener. And at the same time, we understand uh, this, this change in the regulations that came in. So uh, really, it just it means that not just pumping the excess water out of the TSF, but also not adding more from our process plant during that period. So we'll do that. We'll bring it down uh, and we'll get prepared just to bring it back online and then um, work on processing the uh, the ore and catching back up. And I think, Carrie, in terms of big picture, I think, you know, water and emissions are two areas, and it's got an ESG focus, but two areas that we as a business are definitely focusing on because we have areas of dry, dry areas, and then we have these areas that have these excessive rains, and, you know, we made some proactive measures to buy evaporators and things like that last year, and we'll continue to look at water and water treatment as well is something we put in place, you know, Arizona, we put the treatment plan in and that. So it'll be an evolving thing where we continue to look at our, our water excesses and deficiencies. And that's the water balance and tailings side of things is an, initi an initiative that we've been doing for over a year here um, with uh, Kelly Boychuk leads that. Um, um, he's 30, well over 30 years experience in dealing with uh, TSFs. Um, that's part of the work that we do on an ongoing basis to try to conserve water, but also uh, ultimately to reduce our footprint. And this um, thickener was one of the first actions that came out of that. And we continue doing test work and looking at how we can improve things overall. And um, in part driven by ESG, but also it's just sensible for us to reduce our TSF footprint and conserve more water. Okay. Okay. And I know you've, you've talked about not starting the mill construction at Los Feliz until Greenstone's completed in terms of its construction cycle. Is there a scenario where you perhaps could start the mill construction earlier than that, or is that kind of the plan now? Yeah, I think I'd like everyone to assume that's the base plan. Um, there's always an opportunity to start a bit earlier, but um, I think prudence says that we should be, from a stability perspective, capital perspective, and all that, should be planning for it after Greenstone. 
Um, we will look at scenarios to keep our optionality as open as possible, but I, I do want analysts to not be forecasting in a start of construction there in the next six months kind of thing. You know, I want it to be a couple of years out that, uh, you know, if we bring it forward, that'll be a good news story and, and we'll update the market at that time. But at the moment, I think it's best to plan for about two years from now. Okay. And have you, have you sensed or maybe have your people at site sensed any change in the attitude of, of the communities now that they're back to work for better or for worse? Like are things similar to how they were when they got back to work? Do you think they're better? Do you just sense that maybe they're getting a bit disgruntled about things and just trying to just gauge how, how that is going? I think everybody is, is happy to be working. Um, uh, you know, when, when we get through, got through the, the last uh, two issues, everybody's back at work and that's what they want to be doing. And so, um, general attitude at, at, at site, I'd say, um, that's my understanding is that uh, um, it's better when everybody's uh, busy working um, and um, for team management team at the site, um, you know, they're they're continuing to, to do everything they can to be uh, interacting with the communities on, on a more day-to-day -day basis, not when we have a, a, a confrontation or a crisis, but just about everything. You know, I, I think we're seeing more dealing with routine grievances, even if they, they get elevated to the level that they shouldn't be, but we're more dealing with day-to-day -day routine grievances on a regular basis in a more constructive manner, building partnerships on things outside of just mining and good things in the community. And um, I think, as Doug said, you know, we heard from the leaders and, and we have heard from the workforce effectively. They want to be operating and working, so that's great that we're all aligned on that front. And, of course, part of it is that with... Um uh, COVID restrictions easing off, we're able to just interact face-to-face. -face. It's so much better than, than uh, having a uh, more stilted conversations uh, through through Zoom or, you know, WhatsApp messaging or whatever. And we've seen COVID come down very significantly. We have, it might be zero people off in California right now for many absenteeism. And Mexico's come down very significantly in the last couple of weeks for sure. And, Brazil's still got some flu with that around, and I think uh, it's a little bit higher than the other two countries. And, and Canada, we've managed it very well as well. So um, we're seeing very little disruption. And I agree, we're starting to see more travel and face-to-face -face meetings happening, which is very positive for our business. And we want to get you guys as analysts and some investors to go visit Santa Luz and Greenstone this year too and um, see the great things that are happening there. Okay, great. That's all my questions. Thank you. Since we're talking about Los Silos, I'm going to take a question from online. Um, so you pushed the CIL plant out a little bit, which will obviously bring costs down, but do you see costs coming down in the interim as you're working through Bermahal and Guadalupe? What will it take to get Los Silos a bit more economical? Yeah, uh, Guadalupe um, has been mostly uh, stripping. It has been contributing and, and, and uh, some ore, but it really it, – contributed in a meaningful way in the latter part of, of, of 2021. So uh, that brings in some higher grade ore going to the leach pad, um, but nonetheless higher grade ore, so that helps. And uh, Burma Hall Underground, I mean, the development, um, in, initial development is, is establishing all the infrastructure, and we get a small contribution from it, but we, we were delayed in being able to do that. So as we get into... Uh, Burma Hall more will end up with higher grades and that will help 
um, bring more ounces to the to the pad. We'd love for CIL to be there to be processing it, but in the meantime, we'll segregate it on the pad and be able to reprocess it at a later date through the through the CIL. And I think we're running various optimizations and mine plans that now give it. We have the clarity that we're not planning to build the CIL for the next two years. We can actually plan to bring forward some of that grade and not stockpile it to put through a CIL in six months' time or whatever. We can actually plan to make it more cash generative as well as hopefully lower costs along the way. Um, I'd say that it's going to be gradual changes. The step change comes when you get a CIL plan in place. Thank you. Operator, we'll go to the phone lines, please. Certainly. The next question comes from Mike Parkin of National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, you mentioned you're adding agglomeration. I think you said that Castle Mountain. When could we expect that to, you know, kind of kick in in terms of results? Uh, well, it, we're going to be doing the crushing agglomeration starting in, in the tail end of Q1. And given that it's a heat bleach, uh, you'll start to see the impact in Q2. Okay, and is that factored into guidance? Yes. Um, then in terms of when do you have to kind of make a, a go, no go decision on leasing the fleet for Greenstone? Yes. Uh, hey, Mike, it's Peter. Um, We've already primarily made that decision during the construction period in the first year or two of operations. We're going to be leasing equipment. Uh, and then as Greenstone uh, is cash generative and, and self-financing, uh, we'll switch to, to purchasing it. Okay. And then one last one for me. Um, in terms of Greenstone, where are you thinking you'll have the mill building enclosed by enclosed uh i'd have Clad to dig into the whatever. timing time schedule can i get back to you on that one sure yeah if uh riley maybe can pass that on that'd be appreciative thanks very much but i think one of the key things mike is um all the concrete work we expect to have done the engineering by call it spring this year this summer is a big summer earthworks are almost done We'll have the concrete pads down, they have the steel already ordered and coming, prices are fixed, which is an important piece to that. And the plan is to be erecting a number of these buildings so they're working indoors next winter. So, um, you know, we'll get you the exact answer, but I would expect most of that to be done by the fall so that we're working indoors next winter. And if we need to double shift because we're working single shifts, that will be in the plans and we'll be working on that with the team. Yeah, we, we don't mention it much, but uh, the team uh, in charge of Greenstone are experienced cold weather builders as well. So they, 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 fa they of course, factor all that into their, their overall planning and have experience with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good news. Uh, that's what I was hoping to hear. Thanks very much. The next question comes from Lawrence Danny, a private investor. Please go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for all your hard work. I know... Uh, as mentioned, you're in the capital, uh, you know, intensive phase, investing in building and, and developing mines. When do you think it's conceivable, you know, estimate-wise, that we might see dividend? Are we looking at a couple years? 
Yeah, good question. Um, it's something that certainly we keep on our radar and focus as we move forward. Right now, the best use of our capital is, is expanding these assets, as, as you've sort of acknowledged there. And the plan will be to get Greenstone up and running. And I think on the back of Greenstone running and call it a quarter or two and getting confidence, obviously, and you know, the cash flow is coming in, um, that'll give us the flexibility then to be considering that dividend type policy and, and potentially a return of capital to shareholders. As we continue to grow, I think at that stage, this business will be um, really diversified. It'll have a good asset base and potentially a little excess capital to allow us to start returning it. So ramping up is that, to 2024. Is that huge? 2024? Okay, I, I just wanted clarity on that. What's that? Some point around the end of 24 as we go through that budget phase for 2025. Gotcha. Thanks very much. I've had a number of questions come in talking about production growth and the reduction in all in sustaining costs. So you talked about the incremental growth from your existing assets. Um, will we start to see all in sustaining costs come down as those projects come online? When do you expect to hit that magic million ounce target? And what will your all in sustaining costs look like when you get there? That's well, a number of questions. Let me try and knock those off in order. Um, so basically, I mean, even as we've indicated in our guidance, we do expect all in sustaining costs to come down this year. And I think it's a good example of how we think things will progress in a sense that Santa Luz is coming on. It'll be one of our lower cost assets. It replaces some production or displaces some production of higher cost assets. And I think Greenstone will be the next phase of lower cost production again. So getting towards that million ounces, you know, the run rate of a million ounces might be hit at the end of 2024, or it might be 25 as Greenstone's ramping up there. Um, our costs, I don't have an exact number, and that's quite a far out in the future, but, uh, you know, moving towards the, you know, $1,100 mark maybe uh, is a reasonable estimate for this stage, you know, give or take, um, as we get towards that million ounces and we uh, diversify the portfolio into those longer life, better quality, lower cost assets. Thank you. We'll go back to the phone lines, please. The next question comes from Robert Seitzer, a private investor. Please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have a quick question on your portfolio of assets, the Stellaris, the I-80, and the Bear Creek Mining. Is there any thought given to either to start selling these things or keeping them for a longer time. I know Solaris has been very, very successful. The, the I-80 gold looks very promising. I know very little about the Bear Creek. Um, I know our price that we paid for it seems inexpensive, but the stock doesn't seem to be performing. Is there any thought to either increasing these positions or decreasing them or keeping them? Sure, I'll, I'll try and answer those uh, three questions there. Um, starting with Solaris, I mean, it is a core um, holding that we basically helped generate and create a few years back. It's been a very successful, as you mentioned, and um, we still have roughly a $300 million stake there. We're supportive with Richard Wark of that company. I think between the two of us, we own, it might be up to 50% of the shares. And um, it's a world-class pore-free deposit that we think is of interest to world-class global copper major companies. And We'd like to be supportive of that company. Um, you know, it's likely to be acquired, we think, in the next 12 to 24 months by a larger company that has the resources to develop it rather than a single asset junior or a, single, a smaller junior company. Um, so we'll be supportive of that. And I think so in due course, there probably will be a monetization event there, but we'd like to be a supporter of it as Richard takes it forward and develops those plans. Um, in terms of I-80, I think it's slightly different. It's, it's gold. 
it's in Nevada. Ewan's done a wonderful job of pulling those assets together and, and a very clever deal with Barrick that you know, potentially has the chance to produce, give or take, 400,000 ounces a year in due course. There's some work to be done there in terms of developing that portfolio, refurbishing a plant, and you know, bringing together, together the cohesive plan. But we like owning 25% of a Nevada-based gold portfolio in our backyard that's only a drive down the road. So that one I see is maybe a little bit longer term and a little more strategic. So um, I think that one's we'll keep an eye on and be supportive of and maybe want to own more of it later. But uh, for now, we'll keep watching it and supporting it. And then with uh, Bear Creek, we don't even own it, so I think it's a little premature to, to uh, speculate on that. But what we do know is it's uh, a massive um, project that's actually got high leverage to silver, obviously precious metals, which obviously we're very keen on. Um, you know, it's, it's not an asset probably for our portfolio, but we're very keen to be a shareholder of that. And we've seen that, um, that get higher and higher profile. They continue to move it forward slowly, and I think having... Um, having a producing asset in their portfolio would give them more leverage and ability to actually finance it and move it forward. So I think that one we just need some time to, to get to uh, grips with. And um, But we're very happy to be a, call it a minority shareholder on that one. Thank you very much. Thanks, Christian. So at the moment, it's our last question online. Um, your growth to date obviously has come predominantly through mergers and acquisitions. Uh, but now you've got the assets that you need to get to that million ounce target. Are you considering any additional M&A, particularly around the Greenstone area, where there's some really great um, junior mines? Yeah, I mean, M&A is definitely taking a little bit of a backseat for us now. We're focused on delivering these ex and executing on these construction projects. Um, you know, heads are down, and we're really focused on that at the moment. So we're not really looking hard for M&A. We're always an opportunistic group if the right opportunity exists and is there. But something that we always have to weigh up when we're looking at something like that specific type of example is we've got so much um, potential underground and potentially a long strike and some open to pit deposits down the road from that we already have the licenses on that really to add another license when we've got some exciting stuff that we already own and we've paid for, um, it's probably more economical to actually go and drill and, and evolve those deposits that uh, we already own around our sites, and there's a lot of upside around Greenstone in particular, but I think actually there's probably four or five other sites that have a very similar scenario where the best capital spend is actually on our own sites around our mines. That's how you add value um, rather than going out and paying multi-millions of dollars for you know other early stage deposits where I think our exploration team has identified a really exciting sort of three-year plan here to continue to add ounces around our mines, including Greenstone. Perfect, thank you. At the moment, there are no further questions. So, Christian, do you have any closing remarks? No, I just uh, I want to say thanks again for the support. You know, we've had a great 2018 to 2020. The share price was a little weaker in 2021, and for reasons we all know. And I think uh, hopefully that's behind us now, and it's an exciting platform here with, I think, some of the most highly leveraged growth to the precious metals and gold space that you're going to find out there. And uh, We've got a strong balance sheet to execute and deliver upon our plans, so uh, I think this is going to be exciting next couple of years in our, in our growth pro portfolio. Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us today. Operator, you can now close out the conference call. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.